Three, two. Hey, everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> what? I'm <was laughs> scratching <laughs> myself. You can't start the podcast on scratch. Well, what'd you pick now to scratch for? Because he's got bad taste. Because he really I mean, counted Christ fast. Drinking Guinness Blonde. All right. Anyway, are we ready now? Mm-mm. I think we should have just kept going. You were Freddy before. <laughs> are you Freddy now? Okay. Nice, Roger. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode number 437, being recorded February 15th, 2017. I'm Alan Momentano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm a rather white, and now a little bit more orange, Josh Walrath. And I'm the mysterious Ken. Yes. Why are you looking at that Definitely way? less mysterious these days. <sighs> uh, my mystique. Yeah. So, hey, it's a podcast thing. We're doing it. Podcast at PCPro.com if you want to email us about your papers. It's been a while. I'm not sure Ryan checks that email anymore. Oh, God, no. No. Well, what's it in the show notes for? Anyway. Legacy. Uh, <laughs> we, should probably, we should probably check that email and, and see what's there. Um, PCPro.com slash podcast uh, is where you can find our podcasts. Uh, PCPro.com slash subscribe, I think, which is not in the show notes anymore. Uh, is where you can find that page right there, which is uh, where you give us your name, your email address, and we send you little reminders before we do live events such as this podcast or when we have people in studio for interviews or whatnot. Um, Twitter.com slash Ryan Shrout or slash PC Per if you want to yell at the boss since he's abandoned us. So feel free to tweet away at him and, and, and yell at him this week. Uh or, actually, is this an old version of the show notes? What? No. I don't know. Anyway. Never mind. Uh, Patreon.com slash PCPer is where, if you want to help us keep the lights on, you may do so. There's a lot of lights to keep on. Yes, we have more lights now, since we're in a larger building. And, actually, I'm looking around at all sorts of, like, I didn't, I think every light panel we have in this office is now like hooked up. Well, yeah, that used to not be the case. We used to it's have because like, you got a big building. You need to heat it in wintertime. It's these yes, are LED, so we're using LED lights. <laughs> these LED light yes. panels don't do a very yeah. good job. Yeah. Come on. It's still like seven Watts. <laughs> it's, it's true. I guess. Um, all right. I guess uh, let's just jump right into it. Huh? No, no, no. What do you want to talk about? I don't first? even have a pick yet. Could- oh, Josh, just make it your beer or something. Josh, could you maybe get your act together? Yeah, you got the whole whole podcast. I've had an entire week to procrastinate. (coughs) You got the whole whole podcast. When you put it that way, I'm going to commiserate with your your procrastination. (laughs) Well, that's true. Uh, Okay, let's get into it. Uh, First story up, EVGA ICX technology. Uh, And we're talking about GPUs. So EVJ sent us a GTX 1080 FTW2 with ICX technology. I think it's the, is it also the 2 as well that's the ICX version? I, I forget if it's a... I think so. I think the 2 is a new designation. Yeah. So basically, as far as GTX 1080s go, this works the same as the GTX 1080 as far as like the, you know, graphical processing capability. Um, but what EVJ is trying to toy around with a little bit differently here is how the cooling works. Um, 
normally if you have a you know any EVGA card that has like a pair of cooling fans on it and heat pipes and whatnot, um, they're usually both connected to the same circuit and they both spin at about the same speeds and it just kind of gets you know ramped up and down based on your GPU temperature and uh, that's different now with this FTW two slash ICX cooler or cooler design. Um, what they've done is they've kind of partitioned off both fans, like both halves of the cooler. And one of the fans, the fan that's over the GPU side of the, of the PCB, uh, is linked to some kind of a feedback loop with temperature of the GPU itself. And then the other fan is linked to, I think it's three or four additional sensors, temperature sensors that are on all of the power circuitry. Um, for the board. So you end up with, uh, you know, one fan cooling the GPU, the other fan cooling, or making sure that temperatures of your power circuitry and, you know, like your, I think it's also some of the, or it's the power circuit that, uh, what was the, what was the voltage regulator that was cooking on the previous EVGA product recently? I think it was the one for the, uh, like the, for the memory, I believe. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. So they so they've kind of well, gone. That was also because there wasn't any thermal. Yeah, they forgot. Material they just, on it. Yeah, but, they just put didn't put a thermal pad where yeah. they probably should have. Um, so hopefully this will also prevent that from ever happening again. Uh, yeah. Um, as far as like performance differences, you're really not. You know, for for a person that just kind of plugs this in and doesn't do any kind of tweaking or overclocking or any of that stuff, you're definitely not going to really see a difference there. Um, uh, you might get into some, you know, Ryan toyed around with it and didn't really, you know, get, it wasn't like you, you're going to get vastly uh, improved performance out of this, even if you do kind of mess around with the EVGA XOC and, uh, you know, do start turning some of the dials and whatnot. But uh, what you what you do get is, you know, kind of like better peace of mind. You get more information on what's going on. There's actually uh, LEDs on the top of the... GPU, PWM, and memory. Yeah. Uh, I forget if we have a good picture that shows... Yeah, Ryan, or, uh, Ken's got it. There should be a video of it flipping back and forth. Yeah, so you basically have uh, three different um, LEDs on top or on the on the edge of the, of the cooler, and they just change color based on which things are at which temperatures. So you get some kind of feedback there without even using the uh, overclocking software or any kind of software for that matter. Um, but if you do uh, use EVGA Precision XOC... Uh, you know, you get some more information there with this new version of this card. You actually get the, the actually gives you kind of a nifty uh, PCB layout diagram and shows you where the temperatures are being measured and what those temperatures are. Um, so pretty cool stuff. Uh, might come in handier for some extreme overclocking kind of things, I would imagine. But, you know, this thing just came out. We haven't seen any of that materialize yet. Um, I believe this card will be a $30 premium. It's like 30 or 40 bucks over the, you know, the equivalent of that card without this, uh, ICX style yeah, setup. Yeah, compared to the, like the ACX 2.0 stuff that's currently in the market, I think. Yeah. Well, and if you've already got one, I think for a hundred bucks, you can buy an upgrade kit. Uh, no, it's not. It'll get you this new one. It's not buying an upgrade kit. It's a trade-in. Oh, even better. Yeah, they're basically buying your card back from you. Well, I mean, you're paying them, but like you're paying yeah. 
you're paying the Delta because they're going to have to take a loss on that card when they try to sell it as a, you know, as a reman. Um, so they kind of save you the trouble of trying to sell your other one used and getting another because you're getting a new card. Yeah. For hundred bucks. And I also think it like restarts your like EVJ as that 90 day upgrade program, the step up program. Oh, yeah. So it resets that period. So let's say if a 1080 Ti potentially came out, well, you would, you'd be eligible to do the step up. I'm not sure if $100 is necessarily worth it for this yeah. thing because they yeah. did. I mean, they did send out thermal pads and do fixes for the ACX 2.0 stuff. Probably, or it's still just less, RMA it for free yeah, if you didn't want to do it yourself. It was a decent reaction to what was kind of a screw up. Still less than ideal, but I don't think a hundred dollars is worth upgrading it. I think the thirty dollars on for the purchase is a way better idea. But if you if you already have a ten eighty, maybe maybe you'd look at this. But if you're the type of person who's had a ten eighty for a while, you're probably looking for the next generation GPU, whatever, yeah. be it Vega yeah. or Pascal. Huh. Mm. Cool. And Ryan and I had some discussion on this, like, you know, what's the real deal with, like, keeping those voltage regulators cool? And it's like, how often do they really fail? Unless you do something like, don't put a thermal pad on it. But, you know, then you're kind of getting it to the extreme. But, uh, you know, extreme. VRMs is not a typical thing that people are just, like, using their GPU and, oh, my GPU failed, the VRM <laughs> failed on it, you know. Um, all right, cool. Uh, what's on next? Dissecting Zen architecture. Oh gosh, do we have to talk about that now? Uh, I'm in the middle of trying to find my pick. You have to talk about y- it. You specifically. You have to talk. Your about it. pick about is this. David Cantor. <laughs> well, he's know. not for sale. I asked. Oh. Does he have a sister? I did. Wow. Ask. Oh, I, Josh, mm-hmm. I'm disappointed in you. <sighs> It's, it's only one David I've ever asked that about. And <laughs> yeah. He's safe and sound in Canada. And so is his sister. <sighs> away from me. He's staying there just because of you. He doesn't live in the States. Well, it's possibly a point. Yeah. So anyway, Ryan and I had an about an hour long discussion with David Cantor about what we know about Zen ar- the Zen architecture and what's going to be showing up in Ryzen here in the next month or so, uh, we dug down into many, many, many discussions about uh, the overall architecture of the product. And uh, it's a lot of information in that hour's time. I mean, we discussed, uh, we kind of compared and contrast what AMD has done with their front end of, of the processor versus what Intel has done, what things are similar, what is different. Uh, we've gone into the execution units, how they handle the floating points, SIMD, AVX stuff. Uh, we went to the cache hierarchy and uh, how, like, the L3 is a victim cache, the L1 and L2 cache. But the L1 and L2 cache are are inclusive. So there's all kinds of, of information. And then the one thing that we didn't discuss, and I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit here, is that when we're looking at these products and these processors, uh, AMD has claimed that they're going to have a 40% increase in IPC from the previous generation of products, which is based on Excavator, to here. And we had discussed why that was the case, and mainly because Bulldozer was 
not a fantastic architecture for single uh, single thread throughput. And even though it did okay and pretty good in scaling to, you know, for, for a four-module product like the 8350, uh, it could handle eight threads really well and compete with some of the, the higher-end uh, Intel parts until, of course, you get into heavy uh, floating point uh, and, and SIMD-type applications where AMD then kind of fell down a little bit. Um, they've re-architected Zen, so you don't rely on modules. You've got one energy unit, one floating point unit, unit per core, um, and it's a significant upgrade. And why they were able to achieve that 40% is because Bulldozer, in many ways, was really that bad. And so they took all the good from Bulldozer and Jaguar architecture, and they've added new things like uh, micro-op cache, uh, better front-end, better dispatch, all of these things that can help keep the pipelines filled, um, but still do it in a very, very power-effective way. Uh, Something in this discussion I didn't know about is that AMD had developed these specialized capacitors that they spread throughout the entire core. And what happens when you put different cores to sleep or different portions to sleep, and then those portions are needed, then you've got to ramp those up fairly quickly. And and power was the problem here. You couldn't deliver the power to that area fast enough and effectively enough without kind of stalling things out. And so that's why it took a little bit longer to to clock them up. And by putting all these, you know, thousands of miniature capacitors all throughout the um, the design, these uh, units are able to to ramp up much more quickly without suffering any kind of voltage droop because of that. And so there's a ton of, of really interesting things. Uh, but again, uh, going back to the area that I was thinking about is is this is going to be kind of a one time jump of 40%. Uh, for the next couple of years from both AMD and Intel, we're going to see a couple of percentage points of improvement just because of design. We're going to see improvement in, in clock speeds because everybody's going to be going down to smaller processes, whether it be 10 nanometer or, or below. But if you think about it, a lot of the low hanging fruit of CPU performance has already been kind of consumed. Uh, think about it. The, Integrated uh, uh, memory controller was the huge one. AMD got there first. Intel got there with, uh, I believe, the Nehalem architecture. Um, huge caches. We've got, I mean, if you think back in the, in the K6 days, you had something like 16K to 32K of L1 cache. And then you had L2 cache that was off die and running at half speed uh, for like the original K7 or the Pentium 2 and Pentium 3. You had 512K of uh, L2 cache that was running off the backside of the CPU. And then uh, uh, they integrated that into the, the core. And so that was kind of a big jump in, in terms of performance. It made the die size bigger, but it was, again, better performance. So now we've got large amounts of, of L2 cache. I mean, for Intel, it's 256K per core, 512K uh, per core for AMD was Zen. And then we've got these massive L3 caches as well. And then add on to that a memory controller that's on the die, and you've got low uh, latency to main memory. I mean, still, it's it's a lot higher than what you get to the uh, caches, but they have so many mechanisms going on that's filling these caches as needed and, and before the work needs to be done. 
um, that these things, I mean, a lot of the performance of, of modern processors will not ever take as big a jump as we've seen in the past 10 years. It's just going to be improvements in design, improvements in process technology. Uh, so AMD kind of jumping into the fray and getting competitive again is is a really good thing. So if you if this discussion interests you in the least bit, go take an hour and uh, watch the interview with uh, David, Ryan, and myself. Um, I thought it came out pretty well. There's a lot of interesting uh, topics discussed and uh, some things that, you know, if you're, you're kind of a, a tech guy and you, you want to find these things out and why they run as they do, uh, then go and, and listen and watch for a while. And I think I don't talk very much in the first 15 minutes, so that's positive for a lot of people. You seem pretty shy in the first first bit there. Oh. You know, I was, I was kind of blushing at David a lot. Mm. I mean, he's kind of a superstar. Mm. Yeah. Just so you that know, Josh. Brian and David would not let me get a, <laughs> a word in edgewise, so I was done. Just for your personal information, I listened to part of that interview in the shower. Wow. <laughs> well. That's how Die Hard can end. Just, just, just want you to know. Yeah. Nice, long, warm shower. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He rubbed the soap <laughs> on his skin. Yep. And then he got the shampoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's not talk about conditioner. No, 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 no. no, no. All right, uh, we have a case in the rundown, but we'll circle back to that probably uh, because it's not a review. Um, it is not. Uh, ECS Z170 lightsaber. That's just got to be copyright infringement, right? Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. It doesn't have a lightsaber. But I don't on like it. that's. Disney's got to have that term trademarked by now, right? Uh, well, I, I don't, they don't, I don't sell it much over here in the North America. Hmm. Hmm. It, it's the rest of the world that you can see it in. So it may be that uh, the mouse doesn't quite have his gloves on everyone. But the trademark applies to the type of device. Trademarks don't. Disney doesn't care. Public uh, domain? You couldn't make oh, well, a... 400 year old character. No, you can't put that into, into public domain. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, motherboards. Anyway, motherboards. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's a uh, motherboard made by ECS. Uh, Z170, which I'm surprised they're still coming out with Z170. I thought we were moving to the whole 270 thing at this point. But it's mature. I, well, I give, I grant you that. But it's probably less money. Uh, under eighty. Yeah. 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 Fair for a decent. I don't know. Well, it's kind of like AMD with the uh, 990FX and all those other things. They're going to exist even under AM4 and Zen. Why? Why are they going to exist, Josh? Well, because they be killed. like an 8350 is going to be like 100 bucks. They should be killed. And the lowest end Zen is, is going to be, what, uh, 130, 140? Oh, no one should buy an 8350. Right Maury says that is oh. the last one. <laughs> the last. So, and then he shifts gears over to probably a entire chain of uh, Z270 boards. So and he did probably the, AM4 motherboards. And AM4 and AM4 boards AM4 boards, tossed yeah. at him too. So Moore did his typical treatment. You know, he put the enormous gigahugic uh, CPU cooler what, what page on, is that on That was page, page three. Uh, you know, checks the layout of the whole thing. You know, features look good. Well, uh, the M.2 is, really, is limited to uh, PCI 2X. Which what? isn't wonderful. That's... Seriously? They they ran out of lanes. That's the problem. There's three PCIe 16s and four 1s. 
see, here's the thing. And at this they point, you're starting to run out of lanes. They didn't run out of lanes because they have six SATA ports, and you could easily just make it replace two of the SATAs. Like, it's designed to do that. So Yeah, well... If they, they chose if they chose to yeah they could have just chosen to wire it differently and put the M.2 on they're probably trying to connect it straight to the CPU yeah that would be my assumption you know but you don't absolutely yeah. have to in a board it's not like it has so many M.2s you're going to run out of SATAs if you're going to try to put three M.2 I, SSDs in there but yeah, okay um that's weird that they would yeah I thought it to, was as well yeah because it's like. I could see maybe if you had the argument that, oh, maybe the, the, the M.2 performance wouldn't be as good, uh, you know, through the chipset as compared to through the CPU. Well, it'd be a heck of a lot better if you have four lanes through the chipset as opposed to two lanes to the CPU. Yeah, but if you're doing direct comparison to another motherboard with a four lane and it doesn't measure up, it's... I guess. I'm just going to be upset. I don't know. It's a weird decision, but it's the one they went with. Okay. Um, more beneficial, they slapped both a DisplayPort and an HDMI on the back. Uh, that's cool. Which is kind of nice. Uh, benchmarks look like every other motherboard, basically. Every other yeah. Z170 board. <laughs> There's not going to be anything crazy with 270 either, by the way, just so people know. All you got is four more lanes off of the chipset. Well, um, Presumably yeah. to help... Yeah, with Optane stuff. Yeah, I mean the reason for motherboard benchmarks is to make sure they're not awful, not to yeah. make sure that they're good. Yeah, but I mean at this point they're all within like a couple of percentage points. You of hope. Each other. I yeah. mean there could be there are probably some motherboards out there that just do some have some really bad yeah. routing and just you know actually get errors that they have to the RGB <laughs> so that it'll glow better. Yeah, yeah. It seems to have affected performance somewhat, but it's okay. Uh, what is the he lists pricing as a strength? I'm looking for the pricing. One eighty. Oh, mentioned it right up at the bottom, top. Pretty good Might for a uh, sale. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, especially since I mean it'll still work with all the Cabby Lake stuff. So yeah, it works with Cabby Lake and like a desktop like this. You're not that worried about trying to plug Optane stuff into it anyway. Not that kind. Not for caching, which is what you need the extra four lanes on. Oh. And yeah. there you go. There's the decision. No bandwidth sharing between PCIe slots, SATA express ports, nor the M.2. Yeah. So they're all wired directly. Yeah. That's smart or not? That's kind of choice. a, well... Depends on what you're looking for. I mean, yeah. it's not that big a deal because if you want an NVMe, NVMe SSD that's by 4, you could just put it in one of the by 16 slots. You could. Yeah. Actually, that bottom slot is... Uh, will it be a by 4? I think. I think so. I think they're... Well... It depends on what you have in there. So yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, what's next? News. Now we can go to the Andy's AI crystal uh, tempered glass chassis that's impossible to photograph. It really is. Cause no, you just <laughs> got to keep the side film on and it's easy to photograph. Look at that. That's not the film. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm pretty that's, sure he's got plaster walls. That's the plaster oh, wall you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, you're right. Uh, plaster walls yeah and then the other thing is the curtain on the front you're looking at yeah. whatever curtain was off into the- on the other hand this does speak to how shiny the bloody thing is uh, it's super super shiny i'll give it that i mean it looks pretty cool yeah. it's huge too it'll fit you to eatx's in there that's uh, also cool you know, yep. you know what i top. see in those pictures fingerprints fingerprints <laughs> oh yeah well you can't see any fingerprints you're looking at the wall and the curtain <laughs> There's I your solution to get rid of fingerprints. One. Just put a bunch of weird patterns 
on the off to the side of the the mirrored thing that you're trying to take pictures of. Not compatible with children. No. <laughs> but uh I mean, and for cooling it's pretty nice. Uh it comes with 320 mil fans installed. That top spot will hold a 360 mil radiator. Uh you can also rip off the front fans and put one in there as well at the same time. So it's very cooling friendly. Uh PSU sits in a shroud below uh the system. Thank you, camera. Uh all of your wires, all of your uh SATA SSDs mount behind the motherboard tray so you will get a, a clean system that you actually want people to be able to see through the fingerprints it's i don't know it's it's pretty cool all right had anyone ever heard of that company before mm, I yeah andy's they and, were and at CS. uh they did like the Wonderfully named AI-4B, which was like a little micro ATX one. And there's another one that they put out that I can't think of that was a little bit bigger. Yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised. There are so many case companies out there that there's no way I've heard of all of them. But that seems no to be like a, a nice case from a company I haven't heard of. So that's, that's always cool to see. Cool. Uh, all right, next up, uh, Scott Michaud, WebKit proposal for Web. GPU. What is this all about? I did not read this. Who read this? Your. Everybody's frantically reading this news post. Hey, red ship. <laughs> it's WebGL. Uh, it's it's competitor competitor to WebGL. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. It's Apple's answer to WebGL because why would Apple just implement the standard? Yeah, are they even part standard. of the OpenGL group, Apple? I think they are. Chronos? Yeah. Then why in the hell don't they implement it? Because? Because it's Apple. Well, I mean, they implement OpenGL. Hmm. Yeah. The, I mean, there's obviously, there must be some, like, I don't know. <laughs> what some is- advantage they get from doing a new standard based off their metal API. Okay, but so I don't is, know what that would be. This is just the browser rendering thing in Apple devices. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, well, I mean, WebGL is like a framework for accelerated 3D rendering inside a browser. Okay, and this is Apple's apparently seems to be announcing a competitive. Well, because didn't standard. they get all pissy at WebCL and pretty much nail it into its coffin? I don't know. Very moving on. on. All right, moving on. Yeah. Uh, Blender uh, 2.78B came out, which looks like it was just a performance optimization, optimization round of Blender 2.78, which came out a little while ago, because I know Scott covered that probably when it came out. Or at least he was talking about it. Um, it it's kind of interesting, because this uh, bug fix seems to have some... Solving some bugs in Intel CPU implementation that were found. Yeah, that which might- is interesting because this Blender is the first application that AMD compared themselves to Intel with with yes. their Ryzen CPU. Yes, so that might make things kind of interesting. So it turns out there was a bug in the Blender code that made things go slower on Intel CPUs specifically. No, 
it was a bug that made things slower on both CPUs. Oh, was um, it, I thought it was more slower. No, on it, it, it was it was a design decision that went against the best practices of both CPU manufacturers. Oh. but it ended up affecting Intel more than AMD. Yeah, that's the. So one it was, was something saying. that, in theory, both parties would want fixed because it's against their best practices yeah, yeah, for yeah. CPU programming. But we but. recently saw a Blender demo from AMD. I mean, it's been a while now, but yeah, it's been a while. But they were comparing their new CPU to an Intel CPU, and they looked roughly the same. But as it turns out, that might not actually be the case now that this bug was fixed. I think we might find out pretty soon. We should find out hopefully pretty soon what the end result of that is. But with this bug fix, uh, what was the... Untemp developers are dancing in joy. No, no, no. What was the... uh, uh, Let's see. Well, it's not that big of a difference in speed. From what uh, Scott did is like a couple of test renders. Sure, but... he's GPU rendering. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Th- this this bug only came up in like a specific type like of thing of render operation. Also, he, yeah, I'm not sure. Like it was it was one of section of details. code that was a repetitive loop kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, what is next? I don't know what is next. Uh, NVIDIA quarter four yeah. results. Probably something to oh, do with me again. Probably something to do with like lots, lots of beer. money. Right? I told they, you to. So anyway. <clears throat> how much money, Josh? Did they just open the printing pe- press in the bottom of the office to just Pretty crank well, out you know, the money? They have that new building. And below there, they have a tunnel that runs to uh, Tijuana, Mexico. Mm, They've yeah. been smuggling a lot of really interesting things. Through that tunnel, and that's been adding to their bottom line. Avocados. Yes, it's avocados all about the avocados. Mexico. It's the freshest, greenest avocados from Nvidia. Makes sense, right? Okay. Suddenly, that logo makes far more sense. Yeah, it's the right it's, color. It does. It does. And it's avocado Ooh. shape. Hmm. Yeah. You know, they don't have to go through all that processing. They don't have to go through you know Department of Agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. Skips all that. They just they just main live that guacamole. Pass the savings on to the consumer. Goes under the exactly. wall. Exactly. You know. Except that there's no savings to the consumer when you look at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they made two point one seven three billion dollars last quarter. Are you holding your, are you holding your pinky to your, to the corner of your mouth when you say that? <laughs> what? Are you holding, holding your my pinky finger? To your, yes. Yeah. Two point one seven three billion dollars. Holy crap. The details of my life are quite inconsequential. <laughs> That's a lot of dollars. It is, and especially when they don't have CPUs. I mean, they do with like you know, kind of Tesla stuff, and well, not Tesla, but uh, Tegra. Tegra, and their Drive PX that they're selling to Audi, Mercedes, all these other guys, uh, Bosch. They're moving stuff. Gaming though is huge. If you look at that Q4 FY seventeen. Gaming accounted for $1.348 billion. That's a lot of GPUs sold. You go down the list, and it's like professional visualization, which is Quadro, 225. Not the most it's been, but still it's it's still climbing. Uh, data center, That's that was the huge amount of growth. If you look at last year, Q4 of, of 2016, and of course, their, their nomenclature for quarterly results reflect financial quarter and not calendar and so all their stuff is always a year in advance 
and it had to do with how they did their IPO and, and reporting, and it's just it's crazy, but that's the way they do it, and they're sticking with it. And they certainly can't go back another year and have, well, this is our Q1 2016 V2. doesn't work that way, but anyway. And besides, um, it's easier to keep ahead of the IRS when you're a full year ahead of them. <laughs> Pretty much. They get to keep all that money interest-free. Um, data center. I mean, if, in year on year, it grew almost 300%. And that's their P100, all the other quadros that are that are going into there. Um, it's not... Why do I keep thinking Tesla? Well, that would be Tesla. Those would be the okay, headless, yeah. the headless yeah, GPUs. Tesla's still be around. Yeah. Tesla, sorry. Uh, I didn't know how smart I was. Shocking memory uh but anyway uh the only thing that went down was their oem and ip work and uh that is essentially the royalties group and if you remember some time back intel had licensed out technology for their uh their integrated graphics and it wasn't that they integrated nvidia technology into their graphics they kind of used the ip as an umbrella to protect them from any kind of IP lawsuits or, or anything like that. And so the rumor is that they're going to go to AMD for that next time. And uh, NVIDIA said that it likely will not be renewed with them. So it sounds like NVIDIA is, is kind of taking a hike and, and Intel is going to be under the uh, the IP licenses, of well, the IP umbrella of, of AMD for the next couple of years. And that's going to be some significant amount of money. I mean, it's like $3 billion over four or five years, which it's a good chunk of change for, for a group like AMD. But if you look at AMD's last quarter, they had $1.17 billion. So NVIDIA, not even doing CPUs or APUs, except for, you know, a limited amount of, of Tegra's Drive PX stuff. Uh, they... They kind of kicked into high gear with the uh, GTX 10 series of uh, parts. And I think that the uh, 1070, 1080 sold pretty well, and their margins were like 60%, which compare that to AMD, whose margins were maybe 30, 31%. So we can see where, uh, you know, NVIDIA is doing well. And uh, congratulations to them on being a $2 billion a quarter company, which is kind of a big deal. Sweet. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It is. It's a, little it's a lot bit of, of guacamole. That's, that's a real lot of money. Um, all right. What's up next? Uh, oh, yeah. What was the model number of this? So Intel, <sighs> there was another leak. Again, about this Optane to stuff. This whole Optane thing leaks like a sieve. I mean, so do their CPUs and their chipsets. I know, like, but there's been the Intel this stuff is, leaks. This is like the fourth leak. We haven't. We have yet to test one of these things. This is the, like the fourth leak, and like the third press announcement related to it. And like, yeah. Anyway, um, so there was a leak about this SSD DC P forty eight hundred X. So this is a three hundred and seventy five gigabyte add-in card. It'll be half height, half length. It'll look just like, uh, you know, like an SSD 750 
from Intel. It's just that standard form factor, most likely. Um, uh, it's only 375 gig because it's using Optane. Um, so this is cross-point memory, non-volatile memory that at speed is more closer to RAM than it is to NAND flash, but it still has to go through a controller and it still has to talk to the system over NVMe. So it's not going to be as fast as RAM and you're still bottlenecked by, you know, a by four PCIe link. But, um, a lot of sites pick this up and they just kind of like rattled off a bunch of specs and they're like, Hey, there's this, cause we really only have like the cover of the data sheet. Um, you know, cause Intel pulled it pretty quickly after the leak happened. So everybody was pretty much just parroting out what all the specs were. I figured I would take this a little further and uh, actually do some comparisons to NVMe enterprise SSDs that we had tested already. Um, and kind of go off of their specs and go, okay, hypothetically, where would this sit if it at least performed to the level of the specs? So uh, orange and blue line there that are pretty low on the on that chart um, for random performance uh, is a the like two fastest NVMe parts that we've tested. So the Micron 9100 and then the Intel's most recent, which is the uh, P3520. Um, I like that thin red line, though. Yeah, and then there's this red line. It's that a just, lot higher than the other uh, lines. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a red line that's like three, four, five times higher, depending on where you look at it. Um, it's a lot more level than the other lines. Well, as well. I mean, it might have a, a bathtub kind yeah, of curve to it. In reality, we yeah. we just don't know. Um, but you know, that's fairly significant of a performance that's, difference. That's kind of insane. I mean, who'd have thought that a memory controller could do that kind of IOPS to crosspoint? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean, and well, and, not so much the memory controller. I mean, because that that does thousands, then you know, ten, hundreds of thousands of of to to to, to yeah, RD RAM. And, but it, but and it's a memory DDR. controller. But it's a memory controller that has to speak through a translation of NVMe protocol and do it over PCIe, not a really wide like you know dim bus or something, oh. right? Um, so you know, reasonably impressive there. Um, it's actually not all the way like what the max theoretical you could get over those four lanes, but it's still pretty high. Um, the reason that the the other two uh, NAND-based SSDs actually don't look that great, those parts will go faster than those two lines there, but they won't do it at Q-depth 16, um, which is the Q-depth that that spec for the, for the uh, cross-point part, for the Optane part, is rated at. So... Intel's actually getting like kind of bold on even how they're specking this. And honestly, QDAP 16 is probably, if you go any higher than that on something with Optane on it, it's probably not going to go any faster at that point. Whereas uh, a NAND part would, you know, for NVMe, it would need to ramp all the way up to like QDAP 256 or something to, to see that full speed of, of that part. So that's the other thing that Optane's really good for. It just immediate, almost immediately ramps up. Um, to to you know its full IOPS capability uh, at a much lower Q depth. Um, another thing I kind of hypothesized on, or kind of like took some guesses at, based on again based on the specs, uh, is where the quality of service might sit. So again, I have an orange and a blue line on a chart just showing what the quality of service plot would look like for um, you know for for those two for the Intel and the Micron. Uh, uh, NAND-based parts. 
And the major increments on this chart here is times 10. So it's a log scale. Every time you go to another major increment, it's times 10. If you're going to the right, it's one-tenth if you're going to the left. And we're talking about latency. Uh, so the spec for the Optane part is basically one-tenth of the latency. That would be its maximum uh, allowed latency at the various now, points on this plot. Remember last week, when, or two no. weeks ago, when we were talking about, you know, Optane was being... And I know my personally, I was saying, how could this be an improvement over NVMe? Right. And I mean, they're kicking the limit crap out of NVMe over through this. It's I'm stunned how fast and how low latency this really is when actually implemented. If if it lives up to the specs. Well, realize the the thing, the chart we're looking at right there for quality of service. That's not even the typical. That's like the maximum latency that you're going to see. In other words, it's for the outliers, right? It's for, you know, okay, the slowest this thing could possibly go on any of the IOs that are happening. So not like the typical. The typical, which is actually in the spec sheet, typical latency is quoted at less than 10 microseconds, which is the bottom end of our latency percentile charts. In other words, for me to test this stuff when it comes in, I have to rework our suite and make it work and output, uh, you know, latency bins in, at lower than 10 micro. So it's Which, of course, every other SSD you test would totally show up at that point. <laughs> well, that, that's, <laughs> they're, they're going to start halfway across the grid. No, right. That's, that's my point. Like, even the fastest thing we tested before at Q depth of one, at the lowest Q depth possible, where it had the best chance to have, like, the lowest latency possible... And, you know, NVMe parts, uh, Samsung like 960 Pro, which is like, you know, the lowest response time thing we've tested still was not off of that scale to the left. Um, and, and basically like, you know, Optane stuff is just going to run there pretty much all the time, you know, except for the outliers that are running like, it, you know, in the in the 99% or above. So. I mean, it looks great again on paper. And from a leak, like everything else we've seen so far for Octane stuff. <laughs> um, now, what? A, how about where where cycles? I know that the number that they're giving out is kind of insane. Well, it's okay. So all of these numbers, as good as they are, are still not as good as the original thing when when it was first mm. announced as cross points before it had the Optane branding for Intel. Um, or the Quant X branding for for Micron side, um, the quotes were like even better than this. But they were going off of what is the pure like if you were talking straight to a die of cross point versus talking straight to a die of NAND yeah because they didn't right? know how their controller would yeah behave the, the at controller that point. implementation all that stuff right they were basically yeah. and they kind of they they kind of goofed by doing that. I mean, I'm sure they were excited about it because if you were, you know, if you were to write a bit to that stuff, it's actually like this many times faster than to write that same bit to NAND, right? They were, they were correct. They weren't lying. It's just that once you try to implement it in something, in this case, something that talks over NVMe, you know, there's some hops you have to make. Um, the endurance is also probably not as good as what the theoretical maximum was when they were comparing it to NAND as, as far as, you know, how much... Like, because I think that I think that was one of their thousand figures. Yeah, I think it was like thousand times more endurance than NAND. Right? Yeah. Um, 
not the case here. The endurance is still good. Uh, it's it's rated at 30 drive rights per day, like the max. <laughs> That's kind of nuts. <laughs> well, it, yes. But then again, you could do a two terabyte drive every day quite quickly with this. Uh, that's that's true, too. You true. have to realize this is only 375 gig. But again, the drive rights per day, it goes proportional. Like, it doesn't matter what size yeah. the SSD is when you're rated in drive rights per day. That's, 30 is a big number. Uh, I mean, that's still seven and a half terabytes a day. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, and with the, with the IOPS that this thing, report. well, with, with the, <laughs> with the IOPS that this thing is capable of, it, it actually wouldn't take that long to blow through that. Even if you were doing pure 4k random to this thing, it would still, you know, um, it, it would still, uh, you still be able to blow that blow through that pretty quickly. The other thing you have to consider here is that, and I didn't even write this in the article. It just kind of like dawned on me now. Um, for the NAND based SSDs, they'll have ratings for your endurance, but they won't they won't kind of be the same. Like they'll be kind of like a couple of different ratings, or people aren't sure what they're what it's if it's based on host rights or flash rights. Because there's actually an amplification factor. If you do 4K random to an to a NAND based SSD, it's actually writing more than 4K every time you try to write 4K. Because it has to erase a larger block of flash mm-hmm. to do that. So there's an amplification depending on how bad or how hard the workload is. Um, for this stuff, that doesn't apply because Crosspoint can be rewritten at the byte level. Mm, yeah. It doesn't care. So you can just, oh, I want to rewrite that byte. It'll just rewrite that byte. doesn't have to erase a whole block, come back later, fill stuff in, juggle stuff around. You know, none of that applies. So also very good from, you know, so not only 30 drive rights per day, but also... You could do that 30 drive rights per day, pure 4K random, and probably still do the 30 drive rights worth, which is just puts it, you know, again, yeah, well, like file I, servers often do. Yeah, but so the, the total is 12.3 petabytes. And if you're, you have a server doing such a demanding task where you're doing that much throughput a day. Yeah, you're not going to keep the server running for two years. You're going to have a new hardware. Well, I think right? that I think that works out to either a three or a five year rating. I didn't yeah. do the math. Like, like but. I mean, th- something that cutting out is going to be on a more frequent enough upgrade cycle. I'd imagine. Yeah, I, this is w- with such a small capacity. This this kind of a part is really meant to be like a caching tier. And what's funny is it could be a caching tier on top of NAND. Yeah, yeah, it could be. You can throw your really tiny writes at this. And actually save on the endurance on your NAND if it's doing the bigger rights. You'd still get low latency, but you wouldn't get the really, you know, kind of like the, the worst quality of service you get if you try to hit, you know, a, a, a non-optimal enterprise part with 4K random. Like, yeah. that's where you actually see the tail latency start to go crazy. I, I mean, it's like adding 375 additional gigs to your, your SQL server to use as sort of a cache for persistent storage as you're, yeah. as you're shuffling stuff around and you yeah. need it to be super fast. Yep. Yeah, or is the front end that they hit, and then it just dumps it backwards into the slower SSDs. Yeah, yeah. The, the slower, the slower, the slow, yeah, the slower. My <laughs> SSD is so slow. Well, the thing is, with something with something like this, you can actually get away with having still staying with solid state for your bulk storage, even, but going cheaper on it. Like you can just go to like the SAT, the low cost SATA parts that are coming out. Yeah. Just make a big old array of those. You know, your random performance isn't going to be that great with that, but who cares? You have this caching tier with even faster stuff. You know that wouldn't really break the bank 
for just this like one or two of these cards compared to trying to do your entire array out of something that would go that speed. Well, we don't know that yet. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to. Okay, so it's supposed to be cheaper than RAM. Yeah. So at least go on that. 375 gig, cheaper than RAM. You know, yeah. like if you do the math on RAM costs. Yeah. It's still not going to be horrible. For, for the, given the performance you get out of it, it's yeah. going to be pretty darn good. It'll be right? interesting to see once yeah. we finally see it. Once we finally see it, yeah. yeah. Um, what do we got next? They don't have a price for that yet, do they? They, it's just a, all we have is a leaked spec sheet, Josh. If you have to ask, Josh, yeah, I can't afford it. I mean, you're probably talking like, if I had to guess, like four bucks a gig or something. Four or five bucks a gig. Sad. Well, with three hundred eighty-four gigs, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they had seven hundred bucks for that. But where are they aiming this? Really, well, seven hundred bucks would be like two bucks a gig. I mean, data centers right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's that. This is a pure data center part. It's literally okay. there's well, D- then, yeah, Amazon it's gonna be, will be it's probably going to be this. ten times that. Yeah, this is literally <laughs> DC is in the part number. So like, yeah, it's for data yeah. centers. And again, it's not for enthusiasts. Don't tell me what it's not Dang for. It. <laughs> okay, okay. As long as you have backups, like continuously, then use whatever the heck you want. But just don't expect this thing to like, you know, not brick itself if it smells something I'm a little bit funny. I'm going to put my Windows 10 on this <laughs> SSD, and I'm going to boot from it. Hey, you know what? Intel probably wouldn't even put a boot ROM on it. I'm going to boot from I it. I bet you they won't. It's, okay. We'll see. I have to solder it in since <laughs> I don't think this is for booting. Intel's done this we'll before. See. They've just True. not put a boot ROM on. They did it like with the SSD 910, which was that... Oh, that stupid PCIe. The PCIe thing. SSD yeah. with four SAS parts behind uh, LSI controller. They probably couldn't figure out how to put a boot ROM on. No, they, they, specifically, <laughs> they specifically omitted the boot ROM from the LSI. The LSI chip could have been bootable. Nice. Yep. They specifically omitted it. I was like, oh, okay. Alan, looking out what, was, for you. what was that uh, PCIe SSD group that Wozniak was investor in fusion io yeah that was fusion yeah fusion io fusion he was he was on there he was on their board yeah who bought them sandisk sandisk and then western digital now got sandisk (sighs) yeah it's just it's it's, somebody could draw i remember back in the day that that people were pissed because fusion io stuff was so fast but you couldn't boot from it. The Allen was pissed. Well, part of the reason, yeah. no, part of the reason it was so fast is because it was using the host as its flash management. Yeah. You can do amazing things when your flash memory is just a dumb address space and you just, you know, buffer a bunch of stuff on the Use host. Quad-core CPU. It was actually a challenge for me to test back in the day because I was limiting, like, my limit on one of the early Fusion IO drives was the CPU. I was yeah. pegging threads. Yeah. yeah. In the system, not because of throwing the IOs at it, but because its driver was also pegging additional threads on top of me throwing the IOs at it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, yes, they were faster than everybody else, but at the cost of, you know, CPU resources and RAM resources of the, of the system you had it plugged into. So it goes fast. Who cares if it's safe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't figure out just some way to get a boot environment just to kind of get it into the protected mode. Yeah. Just so that it, you know. They just didn't care. No. Like, no, they that's didn't. not what that was for. The problem was they kept promising it and then not delivering. Here. That was the problem. Buy this $15,000 drive. It'll be bootable. Yeah. I swear. Initially, it was like, we're going to do this in a firmware update. And then it was turned into, it never, ever happened. 
10 years later. <laughs> it still isn't. You think there's still some like guys working in a, in a, in a there's a guy right in a bio there's just like still. A guy working just in a lab somewhere. Trying to get this he's all still, going in he's firmware. Still trying to get it running. And and after still. like all of the mergers, like they did just didn't fix the payroll glitch, and he's still getting yeah. paid. And he's, he's still in, he's in the basement, he's still right in this fusion I/O. <laughs> he's in Western Digital's basement right now. <laughs> yeah, Ian is stapler. I was I was told I was told I could make this bootable. <sighs> all right. <laughs> wow. What's next? Please, Let's move you, on you've already. Over my. Address space. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was told I could I could have this address space. <laughs> okay. Um, next up, uh, uh, it's nice and light and fluffy. Yeah. AMD Radeon Crimson Re. I gotta pronounce this correctly. Re, Live. Re, no, relive. No. Because you relive the moment. Rel Ivy. Relive. Well, relieve. Really, frequently relieve yourself. God, all right. Uh, What's in this driver, Jeremy? What is it? Seventeen point two point one. Okay, so it's it's not that you'll be game ready for for Honor or Sniper Elite Four because someone else got that, but you will see a bit of a boost for the the two new ones that are coming out for Honor and Sniper Elite Four, which now that I think about it should be totally combined into one game because that would be very entertaining. Okay. Uh, but apart from that, uh, there's a couple of little bug patches uh, for people with FreeSync monitors where there's been a couple of games which have just completely ignored the entire variable refresh. And uh, when you're playing around with, uh, as uh, I think it was Scott said, some of the newer H.264 videos, that they're not going to look like you're fast-forwarding through a VHS tape. All right. That's always That's positive. So New drivers Data. are good. Yeah. Your drivers are good. Beta was good. Uh, let's see here. Next up, uh, MX300 2 terabyte, which we actually have here. Um, Wait, what? I didn't ask that thing. <laughs> oh! Sorry, our Echo decided to start yapping at us. Um, MX300, uh, yeah, no, now goes all the way up to 2 terabytes. It started out with just a 750 gig. But then they actually that was quote unquote limited edition, uh, so they don't make it the 750 anymore. It's two terabytes and even increment of that no. weird. No, the, but they backed off the 750 and they made it into like a 500 or one terabyte or 250. Uh, this one's but like it, a 2050 or but it actually, 2075. Yeah, but actually, it wasn't those three numbers I said. It was like 525. I, I've seen them sold know, as two, a, like a 525 and a 375. Or it's like a two, it's like a two whatever seventy five yeah, or something and, a 525. and then it's like a, and then it's like a ten fifty but then it goes to a twenty fifty so I don't know where the extra fifty went <laughs> it, it, when you went from the ten fifty to the twenty fifty anyway um, I should have just over provisioned it a little more and giving you yeah. things you expected the the well but the thing with this one and I mean you help fix it all as well Al but what I'm curious and I couldn't figure out through hardware Canucks is what has this done. To their dynamic cache. Uh, yeah, like, when you when what you is have the size of the SLC pool now. The thing is, even though it might still be juggling between SLC and TLC back and forth, like once you get it's a SATA part. If you get up to two terabytes in a SATA part, even with the slower SLC stuff or TLC stuff, even this SSD is probably still going to either have so much of a cache there. It's got a gig. Well, like yeah, of DRAM plus the SLC. Well, it's got okay, so it's it's. Yeah, it's got a gig of RAM, 
But realize that's probably not operating as a RAM cache. The reason that they increase that amount of memory is for that's RAM that's used for like where leveling and like it keeps track of the tables for where stuff is being stored in the flash. So the flash translation layer table has to be put somewhere where it can be talked to quickly. And that's what the RAM is really for. Um, Micron's stance on the cache thing is that after they did their fix, it will always try its best to have, I think the number they gave me was like 16 gig of, of flash that is available in SLC mode. Um, you can trip it up if you put a bunch of stuff on it at once, possibly, but it has to be close to full, and then you try to write like 32 gig to it when it only had 16 gig of it in SLC available. And then you might run into a, a situation where it kind of dips down to slower speeds and goes faster and back and forth. Um, but when you get all the way up to 2 terabytes, like even when it does dip to the slower speed, the slower speed is still going to be pretty good, probably. So... Anyway, food for thought. The idea behind these is that because they're TLC, as far as their their rating, you know, and they and they they have a TLC operating mode, that they're basically really cheap, like per gig. So, uh, twenty seven and a half cents per gigabyte on Amazon right now for two terabytes. Mm-hmm. Twenty like just right now you could buy it less than thirty cents a gig. So that's like yeah, it's five hundred fifty bucks for the two terabyte drive. That's. That's beautiful. That's like enthusiasts would potentially just like not even bat an eye at that. Might be a very good Steam library. Yeah. I mean, you're spending right. 650 bucks on your 1080. So what's like, you know, that for two terabytes, which is basically like a lot of Steam games. Get rid of that rust. Yeah. Kill it. Yeah. You don't need I it. Like my rust. And especially drives like this, especially for like steam libraries for enthusiasts is especially good because you're not so worried about the write speed it's your steam library it's your you're reading from it you know you're not worried about running out of cache yeah and whether you're tlc or slc the read speeds of especially sata parts generally like the read latencies and everything like it doesn't matter if it's slc mlc or tlc as far as yeah you know as far as how much throughput you get and how low the latency is so, the two terabyte 850 evo is $700 yeah, so another 150 bucks more. Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. That 850 Evo, you could, like, write all day long, and it will never dip below saturating SATA. Yeah. Because for 850 Evos, just Samsung's 3D NAND is just faster, right? Even Once you hit the 500 gig point on those is where it's basically just, it doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even notice if it drops TLC speed. Um, because it's still going like 520 meg per second or whatever. Anyway, uh, anything else on that? Anybody? I don't think so. Your no. Other than I'd like one for free. <laughs> Too bad. Out <laughs> of cheap. Okay. Uh, another. Speaking of driver updates, just like AMD had one. Uh, Nvidia, go figure. Three, seven, it's eight. almost like there's like For Honor and Sniper 4 and some other oh. program. Halo that, Wars. Yeah. So 378.66. Um, and what the, What was the... Oh, OpenCL 2.0? Well, yeah, th- this was a bit of a working man's driver as well. So huh. NVIDIA has been kind of ignoring the fact that OpenCL is still being developed. Yeah. This, they've sort of done beta support-ish, kind of. We don't want to, but we have to. 
Right. This one, uh, it's boom. Uh, and so now, and it makes sense because a lot of GPU intensive stuff where you're doing it, instead of having to go off and talk to the CPU and wait for the instructions to come back, it can do it on the CPU or on the GPU rather. Good for content developers. They've also dumped up their uh, video SDK to 8.0, so now you got 10-bit and 12-bit encoding because we've all got 12-bit monitors, but it's good to be able to do it. All right. Sweet. And hopefully they didn't, like, regress any any features and make something break that they have to the fix. the last WHQL drivers certainly did a number on a certain amount of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much fun at stream, uh, Steam uh, in-house streaming. Yeah, no. And other issues. That. Who needs that? Who, needs needs that? Who uses that crap? Hey, remember that Octane stuff we were just talking about for like a half an hour? Yeah. No. Hey, there's there's more. <laughs> there's not really more. Except now, yeah, that's true. There's, there's not really more. There's photo. Now it's not a leak, though. And it's not a press release. Yeah, but they didn't it's, give us any real details. It's actually that there's. Well, that's true. They didn't give us. They didn't give us specs. But luckily, we had the specs from a leak before, so we're good. But now we actually know what it looks like. Um, some bare space on that PCB. Uh, yeah. It's like they could fit another package. There. Well, they're just they're yeah. sticking with they're sticking with M.2 2280. Like they could I, stick I, a boot you know, ROM on there. I think there. the site did say it's available in the shorter length. I, yeah, but the shorter length is for the single. Uh, die mm. version the 16 uh, 16 gig version so uh we talked a few weeks back about intel optane memory 8000 p series which is basically an app like a storage accelerator um which we saw during ces uh on like some of the lenovo product specs right um for laptops they had coming out they had like an optional feature yeah, and Z270 motherboard specs mentioning it yep Z2, you need you need seventh generation um, you know, Intel hardware to be able to support this uh, as a cache, right? But it's basically a 16 gig or 32 gig Optane SSD on M.2 form factor. Um, it's only two lanes, not four lanes, but it's really not meant as a like end user buy this thing and plug it into a system kind of upgrade. It's meant for OEMs, really. Like it's meant to come pre-configured in a system. Think like your Dell systems. Actually, the video for this Optane thing is they show like a small business or whatever and people are like waiting on their hard drives that are just crawling, right? You're, you're typical. Yeah. If you are still a hard drive user every day of your life, you're just waiting on a crawling system, basically. It's pretty horrible. I recently did a Windows reinstall for somebody on a system with only a hard drive and I was like, I almost drove to my house and got an SSD to just put in their system. It would have still been faster. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, um, it, it, like 16 or 32 gigs of cache probably isn't going to work that well with an SSD. They're really targeting sort of OEM systems here. Yeah. Sub $1,000 systems that don't have SSDs. Yeah, because, well, this is only connected with two lanes. So if you're yeah. doing anything sequential, like... NVMe M.2, like a 960 Pro, is going to walk all over this sequentially, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But, so it's basically meant as like a, you know, really badass version of a cache for hard drives. Probably the kind of thing that uh, Intel originally tried to do with the whole rapid storage technology thing, like way back when they had the, uh, oh, no, I can't remember the name of it. 
but there was a 20 gigabyte SLC SSD. Oh, uh, yeah. It's on my desk over there. I just I forgot what they called it. It was like some creek or bridge or ridge or, <laughs> you know, one of those things. Dale. Some, yeah, Dale or anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, but that never caught on at the time because at that time you could either buy that 20 gigabyte SSD or you could buy like a 64 gig, you know, uh, OCZ, NDLinks based SSD or something like that. Right. And put your whole OS on it. Yeah. Because remember back then you were like Windows XP for some people or Vista and you could still kind of get away with a smallish install. You know, if you were okay with the enthusiasts back then had the mentality of have the small Velociraptor and then your large, bigger disk anyway. So people were okay with moving to a slightly smaller thing that was an SSD just as their whole OS like C drive. Mm hmm. Back in the day. Back in the day, right? So people just kind of like went that way instead of using the rabbit storage technology thing from Intel. And then it kind of like died on the vine, at least on that stuff. But the technology still exists. Like even today, you can take up to, I think, a 64 gigabyte SSD or 64 gigabytes of an SSD and make it a cache for a hard disk under Intel RST. Like it's still there. So they're probably just taking that and just adopting it to work with you know, this Optane module instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if it's like, see, now th- this kind of makes me think that I think they might be selling it and like eating some of the cost. Because if you're going to include a 16 gigabyte thing and an OEM part in lieu of an SSD to accelerate a hard disk and it costs like, say, four bucks a gig, that's like 64 bucks. I mean, we, we have no idea how much this costs, so we can't really, yeah, yeah, it just seems like, you know, can't really do that. It seems like, well, so it has to be cheap is my point. Yeah, for, you know. that'd be the entire point of it. So if it only adds like 20 or 30 bucks to the... And guess what? If you're buying several thousand, yeah, if it's, it's an probably OEM, a bit cheaper. If it's an OEM, they're probably getting them for like 10 bucks a pop or something or less, right? So mm-hmm. you can get much better performance out of your system that you were going to sell with only a hard drive anyway for an additional 10 bucks, Right. And then you can claim, I think the thing that's really going to let people get away with is things that cache smallish amounts of data like this do amazingly well on your quick run kind of benchmarks. So like PC Mark is going to all of a sudden become an amazing spec on the storage system with, yeah. with a system with one of these in it. Even though you might not get that speed all the time, benchmarks like that only hit so many gigabytes worth of disk. So it's just going to look amazing. You know, even if you run like, what's the name of that crazy mobile mark, whatever suite there, the the one that has its own special partition. I forget the name of it. There's like test suites out there where it's a very stringent list of these specific applications have to be installed and then it runs through all of them. Like this version of Office and this version of this and whatever. And if you installed all of those on that system with this Optane thing, it would just be caching all that stuff as you were doing the installs, probably. And then if you just ran the test like twice, the second time, everything would be cached. So hmm. it would give you this faster than an NVMe SSD like result just because it's, it's hitting this Optane stuff all the time. So that's probably what they're after. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't mean it's not going to help you if you're just doing regular productivity stuff. You know, your mom or your, I mean, the your, mom or your stuff, grandma, like, checking her email, this is going to run yeah. much faster. The caching stuff is a great way to get it into sort of a, a 
small but significant amount of systems so they can do validation on Optane. Yeah. Probably. That's true, too. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a whole lot more than that. And the more of those they sell, the sooner they can bring a consumer version to market <laughs> at a reasonable price. Don't be crazy, though. Well, it's crazy talk. All right. Uh, hardware software picks of the week. Unless there's any more news. Did we miss anything? Uh, yeah, my neighbor just blew with two fuses, I think. I just heard him click. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Your neighbor blowing fuses? You are with an audible? I'm in the basement. So I, I've got the uh, panel in my Your neighbor? Kitchen. I, he's he's yeah, got some high neighbor. intensity I, I just heard lights. click, click coming oh. from the fuse panel. Wait, you live on a basement as one whole floor? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Vancouver. Are, are you the it caretaker? No, I okay. don't take care. Well, that's good. Well, I can imagine. Like, so is, is he a horticulturist? Does he have grow <laughs> lights? So it's it's worse than that. He, he's a tech for the movie industry. So is somebody going to come fumbling behind the curtain? Like, in I'm search, expecting a knock at my door very soon. In search so. of a breaker panel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Sweet. You can have a lot of fun with that guy up there. You can just be yeah. like, oh, your breaker tripped. Anyway. Never. I'd never do that to any <laughs> more than once a night. That music is really loud. Oh, wait. Oh. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was loud, so I fixed it. Anyway. All right, Jeremy. Good guy. You got a pick other than opening your neighbor's uh, breakers? I do, but before I do that, I will raise a pint to Stuart McLean. We lost one of the world's greatest storytellers today. Unfortunately, being Canadian, most of you have never heard of him. But, uh, I'm not Canadian. He... he he was something else. <laughs> the joke so, was uh, Acronis learned some new tricks. Uh, they just announced their backup 12 solution. It, it's always been one of the more impressive ones that's been able to back up not just VMs, but entire VM instances from uh, Azure and now Amazon Web Services, which is not friggin' easy to do, and it will come back up within about 15 seconds or so, depending on how you've set it up. But they've also not only tweaked uh, the way that they used to back up exchange email stores, they've managed to get their fingers somehow into Office 365 mailboxes, which, as far as I knew, was friggin' impossible. Office 359 is locked down ridiculously. They're now offering a new one, which is going to grab user stores off of the local and do it, and in theory, pull it off of your O359 cloud and be able to store it. This is impressive. I'm looking forward to seeing if I can get my hands on it, try and play with it a little bit, uh, and well, some of the other admins that I work with, because that would be really freaking neat. You forgot you're supposed to decrement the number each time you say it. Uh, no, it's, it, it's early in the year. Okay. We don't know yet. Gotcha. So yeah, check it out because it's also good for just backing up your own stuff. Yeah, I mean, Acronis makes good stuff. stuff. Yeah, we use it here. Yeah, but if you're running VMs on uh, Azure AWS or you're running an O359 domain, take a look. They've got some new tricks, or at least they say they do. All right, Josh. And then I'll go check the fuse panel. Hey. (laughs) Yeah, you. What do you expect? uh, That I have a pick? Um, Josh, we yeah? want you to put out. We want you to put out now. It looks like you have a Mori style pick, actually. No. How about I just blink really fast and look confused and stare up in the air? Uh, Morse code for help me? 
<clears throat> well, we can't see it because his, his screen's reflecting off his glasses, so we you know, can see his only, porn. Well, these are new glasses, and I, I noticed these, uh, they reflect a whole lot different than my previous ones. <laughs> you didn't get the anti-glare. Apparently not. Yeah. Damn it. Mm. Anyway, uh, Cooler Master has a newish 212 called the RR212X. And it's a slightly different cooler than the 212 Evo. It's got a better fan, a little better design. I'm using that for my new 7700K build. So far, it's it's going swimmingly. Easy to install. Just read the directions. Not terribly expensive. It's on sale. That's why I got it, because I'm cheap. And it's cool. So and it fits in my case. Hyper 212X. Looks, it looks like the fan might run a little quieter. Yeah. So like a different blade design. So yeah. does the the mounting method not suck with this one? Yeah, what's the mounting? Well, it's not horrific, but it's not great. Yeah. That's that's part of the reason that people have been going to oh man, what's that what's that other low cost cooler that people have been migrating to recently? The the Cryorg H seven. It's kind of been the replacement for the two twelve Evo. I haven't heard much about the two twelve X, so I don't know what people think about that, but yeah, it's a little bit better than the Evo. I've I've installed the Evo and some of the others, and and this is less of a pain in the ass, but not much. Well, thirty bucks, you can't really expect too much, right? No, you can't. And I don't expect anything really, because I charge thirty bucks, and I disappoint people all the time. Hmm. Cool. Uh, next is me. So. I have a, uh, what is it, that Samsung portable drive, or anybody that has a portable drive that's a USB-C. A T3? Yeah, I have a T3, and at the time, there weren't any short Type-A to Type-C cables, like, in existence when it shipped, to the point where it comes with, like, a three-foot cable. So you have this tiny little portable drive, trying to hook up to your laptop on the go, and you get this long cable. It's kind of annoying, right? So you have to keep the cable bundled up or something, and just, like, annoying to deal with. So I was looking for a short cable. Finally, I saw one came out where in the specs for it, they specifically state that it does five gigabit, you know, candles, five gigabit uh, data rate. Uh, did, so, you, did you have a different link? Because it definitely says this is a USB 2. Did you uh, click on? Uh, click to your link. Yep. USB 2.0 type C data That's charging so it cable. Limits the voltage so that your stuff doesn't catch on fire. I don't and know. It says Maybe I USB 2.0 a male host for 80 megabits a second. Well, we'll see. Maybe this is a sucky pick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to just completely shit all over your pick, but I think you you think you picked the wrong thing from what you're describing. Dang it! <laughs> the search continues. The search might continue. We, we we can flip this back. It can be a community pick. If anyone knows of a That's short true. Type C USB 3.0 cable. Yeah, type Send a, it to Alan on Twitter. Type A to Type C. Short cable, like less than a foot long. Preferably like, you know, just maybe like four inches long. Anyway. Huh. Well, that's yeah. annoying. I'm beginning to wonder if it's one of the other products on this. Uh... Yeah, I mean, that company well might make one. Maybe just found a, the wrong product listing or something, but. All right, well, we'll revisit this. Maybe with a user pick next week. <laughs> Ken, what you got? Uh, ProClip. ProClip makes awesome products. 
This is the phone clip thing for your car. Yes. Have you ever messed around with these kind of cheap phone clips that like... You mean the vent mounts? Clip onto the vents Mm -hmm. or use the CD slot and they're always kind of cheap and just break all the time and just kind of suck. I went through two vent mounts in one car, yeah. Exactly. Because they kept breaking. ProClip is the answer to this. So it's a kind of a two-part system. You start by getting a... The, the portion for your, your phone, so you get just like, a, you can get, they have several different designs. You can get one that your phone slides into. They make them for a bunch of a bunch of phones, so just kind of look up whatever model phone you have. It's like tailored for the phone. It's not like yeah. a generic thing. Yeah, it, it fits perfectly. Like, it's just kind of, my, my phone slides right in there. It's a friction fit. Well, it does have a little lip at the bottom, but it just doesn't mm-hmm. move anywhere. It stays There's in like there. There's like a groove it fits in, yeah. Uh, and then the second part is a sort of customized mount for your car so if you look here at the mount i have in my car it grabs on to sort of the edge of the upholstery for the for the dashboard and clips in there and then you just screw that phone mount into this this sort of it gives you a surface that you can screw into yeah exactly it just has four holes on it where you screw in the phone the phone mount version of it and they have these for like just basically every just model basically of everything. every car you can ex- you can think of and they actually have like multiple positions for most cars so if you don't like it if you don't like blocking a vent here you can just sort of look at the other options like it's it's kind of amazing they have options for every car i've ever looked up and they all seem to be well thought out i don't exactly know how they do this like how I, they have access to all of these cars that they're designing all of these mounts for, but well, if they're out of Europe, then I imagine they're yeah. I I think they have like a know. like a cool video on here. They are expensive. It's about. 30 to 40 bucks for each half of it so it's like a 70 to 80 or around a 70 dollar solution yeah. which sucks it really does suck but yeah i haven't found anything better than that that's, that's a that's a lot of cheap vent mounts worth yeah money. but it just works and it works yeah. really well so you know it would you pay for i like it i don't want to go back matters ken oh thanks you like your betamax you bought back in the day too my hdvd Yes, I've got one too with plenty of yeah movies on my shelf. <laughs> the, yeah. ch- the chat's pooping on your A3, man. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Good thing you have Alan around to deal with your VW Group related problems. Well, yes, he does. Well, yeah, that's why I buy. That's, that's why I get probably why vehicles. he bought that car. <laughs> I mean, duh. The first thing you buy what uh. your mechanic likes to work on. <laughs> right? Hey, Alex, switch it back to us. Yeah. First thing Ken did when he got that car was he brought it by and we proceeded to hack the crap out of multiple parts of his car. A lot and I looked of, up, what was the name of that German word we were looking uh, for? There's a lot of hex editing. Arf just com- just no, completely no, no. in German menus. Yeah. So. We, we were digging into menus that hadn't been, like it was a brand new model of the car. Yeah, they not so. translated and just yeah. flipping bits. So Yeah, we were looking for things to like automatically do windows and stuff. And we're like, what's the, whatever's the German word for... You know what the German word for, for windows is? Like open window? and close is what Oh, we yeah, it was open or close that we were looking for. And we're like, where is this word? And like flipping through, you know. It's a list of like 6,000 entries. Yeah, it was like thousands of entries in a drop down list. Yeah. It was like oh, horrible. Anyway. Yeah. So yes, we hack things. So 
Pro yeah. Clip. If if you're if you're looking for something and you're tired of the cheap solutions you find on Amazon, I will say I, I've seen some cool magnetic mounts at I've, like my my girlfriend got one recently and she like a twenty dollar magnetic mount on Amazon that's pretty cool. Yeah, because she didn't want to shell out the money for this, which I totally understand. It took me a long time to sort of make that leap, but they're really well made products and they they seem to support their stuff pretty well. I've had I had an issue with one of theirs with uh it was it was cracked when I got it and they replaced it no problem. So yeah, cool, cool. All right, well uh, that about wraps it up. Uh, again, pcpro.com slash podcast. You will find show notes to go along with this podcast if you are listening to it after the fact. Um, and I guess that's about it for this week. Ryan should be back next week, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, I don't think so, actually. I think I think he will. I think. Anyway. I have no idea. I think he thinks uh, he will. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't leave for GDC until he gets. I think he gets back next yeah, week. Yeah, but there's something in the middle that he has to go. Mm. To. Yeah, well, that sucks for him. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, with that, I'm Alan Montano. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Ken Addison. Ken Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.